0: All right, we've got another episode of Gain, Grow, Retain today, and our guest with us is Scott Wilder, who is the Global Head of Customer Engagement, Advocacy, and Community at HubSpot. So Scott, appreciate you uh, taking some time. It looks like very nice sunny days on the West Coast uh, compared to our rainy, cold day on the East Coast right now.
1: Yeah, I just wanted to make you jealous of all the the beautiful weather we have out here, but I do miss the seasons of the East Coast. But uh, anyway, thank you for having me today. Awesome. Well,
0: uh, I always like to start off with a fun question and uh, kind of, you know, you'll be unprepared for this one. So uh, hopefully you're you're thinking quick on your feet today. But if you were going to start a community tomorrow not work related, but just about a passion, about a hobby, uh, something that you enjoy in your life, like what community would you go start yourself?
1: Um, about audio and sound.
2: Very so cool.
1: I think that there's a lot of, so, you know, I tend to, uh, be really passionate, passionate about some work stuff. So, um, and there's definitely a blend between work and personal, but I'm really, for the last few years, been really fascinated about where audio is going. Um, whether it's with uh, Google Assist or that thing I can't say out loud, but I can spell A L E X A. You know, Clubhouse and Discord. You know, also uh, Discord have kind of accelerated things. But uh, it was probably about two years ago that I started working on developing app, um, Amazon skills for for a company, and so I've just been really interested in it, both from a kind of I'll call it text community based, but also audio community based.
0: That is really cool. We we actually went. Uh, I think Jay built a little mini ALEXA what? application, uh, and uh, we had it. It was all around customer success. We were trying to to give out customer success knowledge through uh, a skill, and uh, and so I ha- actually have it installed on my uh, my morning briefing still. And so, but it just doesn't say anything at the end, Jay.
2: <laughs> uh, yeah, it still says our name and everything yeah. else. I could never get it to, to work exactly the way I wanted it to, but I think there's a huge, I mean, such huge opportunity in that, and it's relatively untapped as a channel, right? I mean, who who actually does that today,
1: at least in the B2B software world that we all live in? Yeah, I mean, it's a little off topic, but you know, I've worked for a lot of technology companies, um, and a lot of them are looking at how to have their functionality voice activated, voice driven. So you have this kind of back-end B2B play, you have the B2C play, um, and then, you know, just think about, especially today with COVID, when people are outside, yeah, they have their face masks, but they also stick these things in their ears, so they can listen to somebody on the phone, or, so it's just, you know, it's 360, it's all around us.
0: Man, I didn't, I... I never would have guessed that that would have been the, what, what your answer was, which is cool. Uh, I like, I like this question. I think I'm going to keep using it. Um, I think we just, we used it for our team internally, um, during like a big kickoff that we had this week. And I don't know how, I don't know how Jay felt about it, but I thought it was great because you just learned something intimate about somebody really quickly based on their answers. Uh, there's a lot of people who talked about doing it for cooking or guitar. Uh, we had people say dungeons and dragons, like it was just a fun, diverse answer. So I like that. Yeah. You definitely don't want me in the kitchen cooking. (laughs)
2: <laughs> Me neither, man.
0: I'll I'll take that. I'll take the burden on that one. Just
2: the cook. Just yeah. the cook of the crew here.
0: Um awesome. Well, we were before this, we were just kind of talking and, and noodling around on, on a few ideas. And one of the things I think we noticed about your background was uh, obviously an emphasis First on your NASCAR slides uh, or NASCAR logos, you got it. you've got uh, you been around uh, at some great companies, but the growth marketing angle uh, certainly was kind of prevalent there. And so I'm curious right now um, in your role, how, how has that growth marketing and, and a lot of those initiatives and, and the companies that you worked at really uh, kind of established or set you up now to, uh, to look on this customer engagement side, uh, just because I think of those things maybe a little different.
1: Yeah. And I'll share a little bit of my journey. I won't go into a lot of details, but I think um, for younger folks, it might be helpful from a career perspective. So, you know, I was fortunate in uh, 91 to work on some of the first internet stuff. This was even before browsers and my career then moved towards like a digital uh, digital marketing, digital product management. Um, and I, I got into community, but I think I leaned my opinion too far into community and in the, the reason being is you know, if we look at who are the leaders in companies, there's very few CMOs who have a community, have community DNA. Mm -hmm. So when I was at Marketo, I discovered that and, or came to that realization. So I, I realized because I was at Marketo, I had learned Marketo and I had learned Salesforce. And so I actually made a conscious career decision to lean into growth, growth marketing. And so there's definitely that path. And, I was able, fortunate to do that at Adobe, um, Coursera, Udacity, some other places. Um, but also um, in that journey, I realized that product growth is really key as well. So at Udacity, we did some really interesting things to get people to sign up for another class or not to a et etc. And that coming full loop, full, full swing, or whatever, um, fit nicely into. I've always thought of community as a product. Okay. So, you know, when you ask me what I, I do, putting titles aside, I focus a lot on kind of product growth. Mm. And um, when I, um, there was somebody at HubSpot where I am now who worked with me at Marketo and they were very interested in that kind of approach that I was taking. And then the second thing was, um, you know, community tends to be sometimes kind of an, kind of an add-on, right? Like you go to a website and maybe it's a link on the, homepage if you're lucky. Um, But since Marketo, I've always taken this approach that, um, first part will sound cliche, you wanna be customer first and not function out as HubSpot says. And so taking this approach that, you know, all these customer touch points in the product, user groups, advocacy, um, community, uh, even the academy, all that, should be customer first and should be integrated and seamless. And so that's really where most of my energy is going at HubSpot. So it's kind of, I think it's important to have the context in terms of my journey. Um, But also I think, you know, even if you take, so I'm actually in two parts of the organization right now, but like if you take customer marketing, for example, um, a lot of the pieces in customer marketing tend to be kind of separate separate um, initiatives. So I'm really as kind of focusing on customer engagement um, is trying to bring this all together into a seamless integrated experience. That sounds very similar
0: to uh, where we're spending our time right now. Uh, and the way you described that just resonated a lot because I think we're, you know, to your point, uh, I think a lot of times when you, when you look at businesses around, especially when I think from the technology side, um, people start thinking about all these technologies that they have um, which pretty much starts clouding kind of the the customer experience when you start adding all of these things, right? You've got community, which has its own platform. You then have education or a knowledge base or uh, learning. And so all of these things start to have technology that kind of bolt on and sometimes can feel like add-ons. And the thing I think of, um most is just how do you start reducing that friction among among that experience and start creating that seamless transition where maybe I'm using different technologies on different sites, but I'm actually still making it feel cohesive. Like you said, it kind of it's um we were interviewing a, a guy one time and he said one continuous conversation um is like the the moniker that you should be having as a business so that you know when somebody's talking to you in sales uh all the way through you know to your renewal like you should be having one continuous conversation where the customer feels that um and doesn't feel like they have to repeat themselves or feel like they're going into different kind of disparate areas and so that's always resonated resonated with me as well.
1: Yeah no I think that's that's really important and it has organization um it impacts your organization impacts technology you know and um a lot of companies that are trying to tackle it you know they're dealing with like what's their marketing or sales stack and then you also have other companies that We'll just buy a lot of kind of add-on technologies to get them there, you know. And so one of the things that appealed to me about HubSpot was that, you know, we like to to build our own and build our own technology. And that will accelerate the integrations in terms of trying to keep this continuous conversation or this integrated experience. Hey, Sky, you said you were um, in customer marketing and that was one of two organizations that you're part of with. What's the other one? Yeah. The other one focuses on trying to get the, um, trying to get Academy and um, community work closely together. So, but you know, we can maybe now or later talk a little bit about organization because um, should I go down this path? Yeah. Well, yeah. Can can we go, I want to hear your definition of engagement before
2: we go on. Cause one of the things we're talking about a lot with, like we work, Jeff and I work in a company. We, that we consider ourselves an engagement company. We have community platforms and communications technologies, marketing campaign tools, so on and so forth. But how do you get all that across? Like it's a, it's an engagement thing that we're trying to to do with our audiences. So how do you when, you, when you hear the word or say the word engagement, like what is it that you're thinking of as like the measurable thing yeah. for HubSpot or anybody else that you've worked with in the past
1: as you? As you think about that word, yeah. So I start always with these guiding principles, and so one is um, the more human connections, the the greater stickiness. Yep. Two is uh, hopefully I'll get this one right. Um, all boats will rise with the rising tide, um, and so in the, in this position and similar positions, you know, every group has their own metrics, but I always start with the engagement ones first, and um, for us here at HubSpot, it's the number of active users um, on all these platforms, either together or separately at a portal level and an individual level. And for us, portal is someone's instance, right? So, you know, company X, Y, Z, how many employees are engaged overall looking holistically at these platforms? And we have specific um, metrics that we track to that. Does that make sense?
2: Yeah. So, so you actually track it all the way back to product
1: usage because that's the ultimate outcome. Yeah. We look at product usage. We look at retention metrics as well. So, whether it's um, you know customer retention dollars or life, life, um, lifetime value, or um, just overall retention numbers. Yeah. So we try, we really try and tie it back to the product itself. Now, you know, if it's community, since you know you guys have a community, you know, you can look at engagement metrics there in terms of, you know, speed to response, who's answering, et cetera. I think one nuance um, is that we as the employees are not, as, I don't want to look at how, what percentage of responses the employees are making. I'm looking at what percentage do our customers or partners make? Um, and then it gets a lot more granular than that, right? So, you know, you can break it down by different types of users as well. But it's the engagement metrics. And I have, you know, I have about three metrics around the product that are all tied to engagement and retention, and then, you know, three more kind of holistic ones. And I think one of the challenges too is you're bringing this all together, is you need to look at it across the different platforms, right? So, um, you know, we happen to be on Carlos for community, we have, you know, Bevy for some other, you know, for um, events, Um, we have our academy. So I'm also looking at this holistic.
2: Yeah, it's a challenge that we have is tying all that together, even for our own company, right? And we're a community company, but like tying all that together and having it mapped to people want ROI, right? Like they want return, like, okay, we're gonna invest in community. Well, what can I expect to get out of that on the other end? And I think what I hear you saying is for HubSpot, correct me if I'm wrong, you got engagement in some of these programs, community, Training, support, so on and so forth, and then that drives product usage, which drives renewals and outcomes from a financial
1: perspective for HubSpot. Is that the way you look at it and try to yeah. tie it together end to end internally? Ex- exactly, and we know that. And you know, probably makes common sense. It's not totally one driving the other cost right. effect, but you know, the more people that are on this customer engagement experience, right? Because it's multiple platforms. Um, the more people that are involved in this experience, the more they're going to spend with us, or the more likely they're going to stick with us over time. Have you have you
2: have you been able to prove it out mathematically, or people just do they take it for granted? Not take it for granted, but they assume that look, if if we're doing this, it's I I think I understand like no. the psychology of the HubSpot you know culture, which is like rally around the customer and that's just part of how you do it. But then like we have to figure out how many dollars we're going to put into that. So
1: is it, is it, how how does it, is it hard ROI or soft internally that you guys? It's a hard ROI. Um, it's a little tricky with like a control, you know, versus the test scenario, but yeah, I mean, we know, yeah, it's a, it's a hard ROI and, um, you know, the, the number one metric, you know, cause I probably didn't, wasn't clear is that metric of, you know, the engagement at the instance level. And, you know, we look at that religiously, you know um, when you're in the CRM space, um, like Marketo or HubSpot, the good news and the challenging news is you're very metrics driven. Right. So there's some other yeah. companies i worked for where they weren't as um, as metrics driven as they thought they were. (laughs) (laughs) The,
0: um, this is like the the path that, that we're, we're going down right now, though, uh, like you were just talking about, like actually putting together some of these dashboards and, and bringing together uh, some of these data sources so that our teams can actually look into accounts, just like you are mentioning and saying, hey, this account's active on our community or this account's active on education. You know, here's some of their usage metrics, but like getting some of that insight so that we can go have just more... Personalized, valuable conversations with customers, um, and being able to get back to this whole concept of of driving value. You know, I think uh, sometimes can get lost in the in the shuffle. Like, you know, I think people toss that word around, but when I know which type of training you've taken, or I know how active you are in our community, that's actually an extra, an additional layer that I can provide a value where uh, I can point you you know, given what you're interacting with, what you're engaging with, I can point you to areas that you're probably more likely to go consume and feel comfortable consuming, which I think is the the thing that we're, we're working towards right now.
1: Yeah. And you can, you know, that metric, you can slice and dice it based on what, what products or features they're using. You can slice and dice it based on, you know, is it um, enterprise or, you know, kind of small business, you can slice and dice it by um, for us, we have multiple products so you can do it at the product level and that's where it gets really, really interesting. And, um, you know, it's not a key metric for me, but is it really important is, you know, self-service obviously. Right. So that's another way to look at it.
0: Yeah. Um, well, as we were diving into this, we we're, uh, we we're about to start talking cause you're, you're in two organizations right now, uh, like you mentioned. And so I'm curious how you've kind of found that, uh, that division, like sitting in kind of two different orgs and, and impacting uh, impacting those, is that challenging right now? Or you feel like those are harmonious? And, uh, and then we can kind of dive in maybe some more organizational questions that, that
1: yeah. we've got. So, um, you know, I like to tell stories. So when I was at Intuit, um, it was clear when we were first creating community and that's a whole nother story, great story about how it started. Um, but um, I worked out with the company there to move organization, move groups every six months So I moved to the product group, to the marketing group, support group. um, And then eventually we just said, this is like a center of excellence and it should be kind of floating. And, you know, the good news, bad news is multiple people will write my review. (laughs) um, And uh, so, you know, a similar model we've taken now is, you know, I'm in these groups, but the people working on these initiatives, um, you know, I'm, I'm the business owner of it, but. It's really cross-functional. I mean, there's support, there's marketing, there's product. Um, you know, it's um, you can't draw an org chart because it's you know there's a few people on the team, but most of it's dotted lines and um, and so it's that frame of mind of just thinking of it as a you know a center of excellence. I'm not trying to you know it might sound kind of you know too grandiose, but if you think if you approach it that way um, and these all these dotted lines. Can impact that, and then you just need to, you know, be kind of structured and process driven to make sure that everybody is aligned. Our our COO likes to say alignment is is key to your strategy, or, or alignment is our strategy.
0: Back when you were uh, back at kind of those early Intuit days, and kind of creating the center of excellence, was it uh, was it generally speaking back then that community was a, was living in marketing for the most part in these technology companies or um, was it living somewhere else in the business before you kind of started this, this Center yeah. of Excellence
1: idea? Um, so it started, um, so this was 2002. Um, the story, the quick story is that, um, I was running the website, the e-commerce website and all the product managers and product marketers wanted me to create content for them. And I said, well, unless you give me money, I can't create it. Like I, I don't have the team. Um, and of course nobody had the money. So, kind of on the side, we created this, my manager and I pretty much, I created this community and it just like grew overnight. So it came out of marketing. Um, But when I first needed to hire moderators, I I did tap into the support group um, there. So it started in marketing, which again, I think was a little unusual. Um, And uh, you know, usually a lot of these start in support. And then um, after we got some traction, that's, when we, um, decided to make it more of this kind of center, you know, center of excellence, um, part of the organization. And, um, somewhere there's a really good interview that Peter people actually did with me about from that time period where I talk all about this. Um, but, uh, yeah, so it started marketing, which was unusual. And then I brought in into support and then I just brought in other parts of the organization.
0: Yeah. It's it's, um, the more and more you start looking into the community, it's, it's crazy how, much value there is for other parts of the organization. You know, it, it truly does. Uh, There should be something that somebody can glean from it in every part. Um, Especially when you, you start thinking about how it can influence product, but then even like messaging and getting marketing involved, like what's the, what's the content opportunities we can produce. And then clearly, you know, trying to get our customer success teams engaged and driving um, you know, driving more kind of connection, like you mentioned to our actual employees and getting that um, stood up, but it's, I don't know. It's I, I do think it is crazy when you start um, breaking that down and understanding uh, almost all of the uh, kind of all the uh, byproducts that can come out of a community uh, and then where it goes and, and how do you operationalize it and process it. Like that's the that's the thing I think people are maybe starting to tap into more and more now because community is becoming such a a big a big word in the space. It's becoming, you know, more popular, especially over the last year um, or a number of years. But I thought that is the most interesting part I think I've seen recently with a lot of our customers is they can kind of stand up the community and they get it engaged. And, but then they're, I think they're, they might be missing the byproduct opportunities of producing extra content or
1: getting product people involved or other things. So yeah. um, I always find I mean, that interesting. Two, two, I mean, two examples. So, you know, if you just and this is where, again, customer engagement comes in. If you start going through the customer journey um, and figuring out like the different um, touch points of the customer or different people in your ecosystem who can interact with them, there's definitely a community opportunity. So two examples are, you know, even I think, you know, I mentioned to you once that, you know, my, one of my guiding principles for the community is we wanna focus on helping our customers master the product master their craft and master their careers so sometimes it's not sequential like that like people will say i want to learn about marketing so they come to hubspot and they interact with a professor well that professor can contribute a lot to the community as well right and you can integrate those two so that's one example and the other one which you know i wish i was smart enough to think of but um you know somebody on our partner team reached out to me You know, I've only been with the company for five months, but reached out to me recently and said um, we want to look at our onboarding, our onboarding process for our partners, and to figure out how community and events and all that can play into it, right? So those are two like kind of random use cases um, where this engagement platform, and again, I'm not saying community now. I'm thinking of the engagement platform can play into this.
0: Yeah. I like that. I like. Um, I love that quote that you do. The master, master your craft. Master your
2: product. Craft. Product. Career. Product. Craft. Career. Yeah. Master your product. Master your craft.
1: Sorry, is that yours? Did you come up with that? Uh, yeah, so I read that in your AMA too. That you did. Yep, yep that's. Uh, yeah, I, it's not trademark, so don't go ahead and trademark. <laughs> <laughs> that's really good. That, I mean, I think that's the the
2: cool part that we've learned about community and. I mean, I, I think Jeff and I consider ourselves real novices to community, especially if we look at somebody like you who's been doing this for a long time. But um, one of the things we found is that, yeah, you can learn a specific skill, but it's really about career development. We've had a lot of people that have come through our community that we get these notes back and it's like, hey, you know, we've, we found a, I found a job last year because of a connection that I made through the community or something that, you know, you guys help facilitate and it's just so gratifying to see that happen. And, and I'm, I, I would guess inside of an ecosystem like HubSpot where you have access to both sides of that marketplace, you probably see a lot of that kind of, kind of connection being made to, to
1: further people's careers actually physically in that way. Yeah. I mean, you guys are in a great great space, you know, customer success has really kind of taken off in the last few years. Um, But you still have a lot of people that are, I mean, you have a lot of people that are new to it. And um, they're trying to figure out like what the craft is. And it's a little tricky, um, you know, to, to figure out like, you know, if you're starting out your career, what it is, and then, you know, what are the career opportunities? Like, if I do this today, um, what can I do in two years or five years or 10 years? I, know, I can't think that. I can never think beyond six months. But some yeah. people
2: <laughs> It's because of that Intuit experience where you just went from group to group. you just <laughs> trained that way now.
1: Yeah, well, I think also in a lot of this is another guiding principle is I try and have these uh, bite-sized timeframes, um, these small timeframes. I mean, just personally, yep. you know, you start out with a personal question. I think of the day as three, eight-hour blocks you know, one, eight hours I'm working, one, eight hours I'm sleeping, and one, eight hours it's a trade-off between working and kids and family. Um, but I think the same way in terms of, you know, our roadmap, you know, uh, with all these, with all, I think the same way with our engagement uh, platform in terms of the roadmap, you know, one month, three months, six months, and then I stop because the world's going to change a lot. Yeah, I'm too far ahead
2: and you're, you're locked into something that's not going to make sense in six months. I'm uh,
0: I'm consciously picking up how you have changed the verbiage to engagement platform. And I like that you do that because I think um, as you start, you know, in, in my role at higher logic, I'm uh, I'm in customer experience, but you know, what does that really, what does that really mean? But when you break it down as a customer engagement platform, to me, I can clearly see how those pieces are starting to come together. But, um, how come you started doing that? Or why do you, do you think that's a big, or I guess yeah. internally for you, is that a big thing to get people uh, kind of stopping to think only about community and starting to think more about um, how these engagements actually span larger than just kind of uh, connections on a community. It's, you know, there's engagement in other ways and, or other uh, kind of mediums or platforms that we're actually doing.
1: Yeah, no, um, you're very observant. So um I think, you know, I I try and put a lot of energy into the words that are used to describe these things. And I think when you say community, um, it creates certain thoughts in people's head of, you know, discussion threads, you know, maybe a little bit more than that, or, you know, 50% will say support and maybe some will say marketing. Um, Customer engagement has a much, yeah, it it definitely has different meanings for different people, but that I consciously use that term. And, When I came to HubSpot, that was the, you know, the title positioning that I really wanted um, because it just will create different behaviors in the company, right? You don't get pigeonholed. And one of the problems we're all dealing with is, you know, I I start out by saying we're function first sometimes versus customer, we're we're function out versus customer first. So you have the user group person doing this kind of siloed and you have the advocacy person here siloed and you have the support chat people silo, but if you kind of say, let's all, we're all in this together. Let's all take this holistic approach. We're all trying to solve for the customer um, and build out this customer engagement platform or journey that creates different behaviors, different outcomes.
0: Yeah. I I like that. And it it reminds me a lot. um, We had, Lisa Pratt, who um, is a is one of our friends, or you know, an old colleague of Jay's, and somebody that we've gotten to know, and uh, she led a really big transformation at Kronos, and uh, she had this great quote, and uh, I'm going to paraphrase it or butcher it, but it was basically the the consensus of the quote was, if we can get our entire company thinking in a more customer centric way, then everything we do every decision we make is thought about what the customer first. And so the example she gave is she goes, what if I could think about, you know, a designer or a developer who is, you know, now questioning the design of a button and is it customer kind of, is it customer first and, and are we thinking about what the experience is going to be like rather than just trying to put code on a page and try and get something out the door. Um, so, paraphrasing and butchering, but that what you just mentioned, uh, resonates a lot. Cause I think they had this great case study about how they were transitioning to the cloud and transitioning to, you know, driving customer outcomes and, and becoming a SaaS product. And along that whole thing though, they talked about just that whole, um, transition was really about transforming the the thoughts and the minds of their employees internally. And if we can get people thinking more about the customer and putting ourselves in that empathetic position to understand what they're going through on a daily basis, how they're interacting with our platforms, then we're going to make better decisions rather than uh, the reverse. So that made me think about yeah. that a lot.
1: You know, um, one person who really influenced me a lot was Scott Cook, the founder of Intuit. Mm-hmm. And um, a few things. One is, you know, he's the one that started the following homes where you know, in the old days, you bought retail, you bought the software retail stores and, um, you know, you would follow the person home and you'd see how they use the, the software in their environment. But the other interesting thing is when I would go present to him, you know, I try and be like, you know, a really cool MBA with my numbers and all this. And, you know, he kind of threw it aside and said, I want to hear from the customer, what the customer's saying. I want you to tell me, I want you to document it. I want you to share it with me. Um, and you know the customer most of the time is not saying, well, I did a little bit of advocacy and I did a little bit of user group and I went to a chat bot and you know and uh, so that really stuck stuck with me and he you know he's pretty amazing uh, and he, he's written some really there's an HBR article that I helped him with back in the old days um, about user created content which is another kind of dimension to all the, all this so you might want to look that up but just thinking about walking in the customer shoes which you know, a lot of people say we're customer first, but what does that mean, and how do you, how do you, how do you implement that? And in Scott Cook's case, it was he was challenging me to repeat what the customer said so that I understood it.
0: Yeah, and in boiling it down, uh, one of the things that I always try and and be conscious about, I think, like you mentioned, is um, words matter, especially when you're talking to customers, and if we start using language that is just not normal to their day to day, you know, you're gonna lose. It's almost like watching a presentation that just becomes boring in the first minute because you don't know what's happening, you don't know what's, you know, what's going on. Um, And so I think about that a lot, that example a lot too, that you just gave where, um, you know, we throw around words in customer success like uh, customer journey and retention and hey, you're in the adoption stage, you're in this stage, right? But to the customer that that's not the way that they think about their journey at all and so actually like a lot of the things that uh, i think we've tried to consciously think about are um you know sure we can design a customer journey and that's gonna be something internally facing but we also need to create an external version of that that mirrors and mimics the, the language they use how they think about their evolution with our product. like what are some of those next like key steps and things that are happening so um i think yeah. that i think about that a lot when you um start talking about words mattering and, and how you're trying to align yourself and, and make it feel more comfortable for the customer as well.
1: I mean, that's, no, that sounds great what you guys are doing. And you know another story is, um, so when I worked at American Express um, as my first job. Jeez, I didn't even see that one on the list. Yeah, it's not even on there. That's my first it. <laughs> Business school. Um, so we were all set up by green card, gold card, platinum card. When I got there, um, the, the reason they did this is, was, was interesting, but what, basically what they said is we're going to, yeah, we're going to have these cards, but we're going to take our whole customer base and look at it, um, based on tenure, right. Cause I could be a one-year gold card person or a one-year green card person. and That's how they set up the org. Um, the reason they did that was, be, you know, because they also were coming up, well, there's many, I can go into that later, but, um, so that again, like how your org is set up you know, that changed a whole different mindset. Like all of a sudden I was thinking of the customer, how long they use the card versus did they actually spend on the card or not? Right.
0: Yeah. I, um, I think we, we've spent a lot of time in in internal debates or debates with uh, a lot of our, our community around uh, segmenting and how, uh, how do you segment customers and how do you think about, you know, putting, putting, kind of like-minded or like things together. And when you start thinking about segmentation and I think the, the, the challenge or the tough part or the thing that maybe I I go to a lot, which is uh, segmentation becomes uh, really malleable. Like I just think of, of people who actually move segments and, uh, and it actually starts to um, you start thinking about kind of, you know, subgroups more and more uh, that can kind of, be analogous with one another because um i think sometimes people think about segmenting too rigidly they're like oh this is a a tier one customer this is a tier two this is a tier three and and then we just go build those journeys and and we go and i think again the more and more you start digging in is um people move in that journey of, of tiering system but then people also move on different ways and different scales of the customer journey so to me it's it's continuing to figure out how do you drive more um Small groups, and then how do you? How are those small groups then having similar experiences, or they have similar tendencies that, they, that you want to follow? Um, but I think a lot of times, you know, Jay and I, we were doing a consulting business for three years and, and digging into these B two B SaaS companies, and they would think so rigidly about segmentation. And I think it was really hard for us to get, to describe to them how we were thinking about how yes, there needs to be some formality and, and some rigidness, but then you also need to allow for like fluidity in that process as well. It's kind of a hard. Uh, hard thing to describe, but I think it like resonates when you start thinking about your own journeys uh, as a customer.
2: Yeah, yeah. It gets back to Scott's point too about like, how do you think about those segmentations and then organize accordingly, like which one do you choose to organize how you set up your business processes internally, right? That's a hard question to answer and we struggle with it ourselves even now. So,
1: yeah. he bro- he bro- no, I mean, it's great to hear you guys um, focus on that or, you know, trying to tackle that. So, yeah, and people are going to be part of different segments, you know, um, as these communities form kind of smaller groups or as, you know, uh, user groups become more virtual. You might have the women in technology group, right? So that's one, one type of person. Um, and then you might have them use, you know, product A, right? So uh, they might be spending, you know, more than anybody else. So like, you know, how do you, you see, and that's you know we haven't it's probably for another discussion about like you know predictive automation and predictive modeling and things like that but um that's where you know it gets interesting i mean you don't want to be totally robotic with the two things i just said in terms of automation and um predictive modeling but on the other hand um that can help figure out like how to serve up certain messages and i know you know higher Logic is doing a lot of good work in the automation space and then,
2: and then, like, how do you show the impact of something that's cross-functional on all the different segments? It comes back a little bit to the to the metrics discussion we had up front. You know, it's where where do you tie things together, and so it becomes a, a pretty complex story to tell if you're not careful, right? So I like I like the way you keep coming back to guiding principles and some of like the the big ticket items that that you're looking to do there. So. At, at HubSpot, when you when you joined, like HubSpot's been in business for I don't know what is it twenty years now, almost is it been twenty years? Something like that, yeah. Okay, close enough. Um, somebody will come back and correct us, I'm sure. <laughs> but like, when you joined, wh- what was your mandate with community and engagement? Because I've always looked at at HubSpot as like sort of a shining example of how to drive great not just customer engagement but engagement with the market at at large i learned stuff from from hubspot when i google certain topics around things that we're trying to accomplish hubspot articles come up so anyway what was your mandate were you you looking to you know revamp or um continue what was already working with community uh and engagement or like what, what was your mandate as you joined the org
1: yeah to take these um different initiatives and platforms and marketing programs, so, you know, like webinars, user groups, advocacy, community, customer stories, and basically create a seamless experience to help drive that engagement number I mentioned earlier. That was my, that's my true north.
2: So it all comes back to the, the product, product usage
1: and the different ways you can lever that and impact it. Yeah, so if you believe one plus one equals three, um, you know, I was an English major, not a math major. <laughs> so, if you believe that this integration and reducing friction will drive engagement, which will drive those, um, you know, retention revenue dollars, then yeah, that that was my that's that's my true north. That's what I need to focus on, right? So, I think you know, we we do you know um, performance reviews and all that. And, uh, which are great. HubSpot is really, you know, good in terms of leading with the heart and focus on the individual. But um, I think the people would evaluate the success based on those those two north metrics. And I believe the inputs to them are the part. Those inputs include creating the seamless
2: experience. All right, are you really focused on the CRM side now? I've heard you say CRM a couple
1: a couple of times. I know it's a big initiative. Yeah. Yeah. So we're focused on, you know, we have a lot of uh, customers who are, you know, scaling their businesses. And so, you know, we have all the pieces um, for a real customer relationship um, platform, customer relationship um, approach. And so bringing that all together, yeah.
2: Very cool. We were were happy HubSpot customers for a long time on CRM before we we sold our company, so. Yeah, I know that HireLogic has some of the Some of their own products. Well, yeah, I mean, we use Salesforce now, which is probably not nice to say, but I mean, you know, it's, you probably run up against that a lot, right? And so, but I mean, it was a great product because it was so much more simple than, than maybe
1: what Salesforce is for a lot of organizations. So, so, you know, one of the nuances, which we started was that because, I mean, HubSpot's known as a marketing company, but because there's so much energy going into this product that they, the products that they create, um, you know, every, we, we mostly build all our own products. We try and have a common code code base, all this stuff. It's going to make my life easier as I go through my HubSpot journey. Right. In terms of like stitching this all together.
0: Yeah. The, the backend data piece and stitching these like programs and platforms together is like the, the, Name of the game these days. If you can get that, it's like the Holy Grail. Yep. Awesome. Well, well Scott, we are uh, coming down to the end here and I've got maybe like one more question that I'm thinking of in my mind, um, you know, going back to getting getting back to a personal level. What is your favorite fruit? <laughs> Kiwi new one okay i've asked this a lot i've gotten a lot of strawberries there's uh people with mango kiwi is that's a first um so i appreciate that
1: so i never had a a kiwi until i was like 15 years old so that's why and then (laughs) i think um i really like the texture of fruit and so it's just something about the kiwi right and those little seeds and yeah Uh, sweet sour
0: yeah I haven't had a Kiwi in so long. Now that you said that I can't remember the last time I had a ki- like a, an actual Kiwi.
2: My kids love them,
0: uh, man. Well, yeah. Scott, if, if, um, if people, this is your, your chance to do some, some self-promotion, but if people want to find you, do you know, do you do any writing? Are you on LinkedIn? Are you a big Twitter? Uh, like where can people come, come find you and engage with, with your content and those types of things. So don't be bashful.
1: Yeah. You can always stalk me on LinkedIn um, or, or reach out to me. Um, I pretty much get back to everybody on LinkedIn. So that's probably the best place. Um, You know, one of my new year's resolutions is to start writing about some of this stuff. Um, And so, but LinkedIn is probably the best place, or you can send an email to S Wilder at HubSpot. You can also come to the HubSpot community. You know, if you're a traveler, you can come to San Francisco. I, I'm, you know, I'm a, on Myers Briggs and ENFP, or on the Enneagram of Seven, so I love meeting people. So feel feel free to reach out whenever you want, you, and that includes you guys.
0: I love it. I appreciate that. Yeah, we'll uh, one day we'll have to do this live, you know, out in uh, San Francisco, and be able to uh, hopefully enjoy uh, maybe a little bit more normalcy uh, some point soon. But Scott. I enjoyed this i think i've already written down a ton of stuff on my notes and uh, i feel like we're going to be having to do this again at some point soon because there's some good stuff that you've got here so appreciate you sharing
2: hey guys thanks so much for taking the time to listen to the gain grow retain podcast if you liked what you heard please take a moment and share the podcast with your friends and colleagues and subscribe we really appreciate it talk to you soon